Are you a professing Christian contenting yourself with the fact that you were baptized into the church at some point in the past? Stay tuned and discover that you can be a baptized member of the church and still never make it to heaven when you die. We invite you to join us for a half hour of inspiration, sharing, and teaching in a new program of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This comes as an outreach of the Logos Ministry for Orthodox Renewal, headquartered in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The founder of this ministry of faith is Father Eusebius Stefanu, Greek Orthodox priest, author, and evangelist, who's been called by God out of pastoral and professorial posts to proclaim the end-time message of salvation, healing, and deliverance in Jesus Christ. Father Stefanu comes to share a message of love and hope with both those who've never known Christ and those who are already members of the church but have never experienced the fullness of God's redeeming grace and healing power. At the close of the program, we will give you the address where you can write our evangelist. And now, our speaker and host, Father Eusebius Stefanu. Welcome to another Logos Outreach program that is designed to reach primarily those in the church who have never had a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. What a joy to be with you again. This TV ministry is a labor of faith, and I want to thank all of you out there for your prayers, your letters of support, and your offerings. If you haven't written to me yet, I want to ask you to send me a letter this week. I need to hear from you. TV time is expensive. I have no church of my own to support this outreach. I rely totally on the support of the viewers. Now, don't let me down. Your letter will really encourage me to press on in this work of the Lord. You know, friends, time is running out, and we need to get the gospel of Jesus Christ even to those inside the church. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Until we come to our Savior, Jesus Christ, we are all part of a humanity that is diseased with sin. Every man and woman comes into the world as a child of Adam, under the condemnation and under the curse of Adam. Because of the disobedience and rebellion of Adam, everyone that is born in the world is really hell-bound until the moment he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Scripture tells us in Adam... Judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Sin alienates man from God's Holy Spirit. He comes under the dominion of Satan who depraves human nature and prevents man from becoming into the image and likeness of God just as God initially had planned. In his infinite love, God gives the sinner a chance to be saved through Jesus Christ, his only Son, whom he sent into the world to become sin for us and to become curse, that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. The first result that our faith produces within us is a radical change. As a matter of fact, it is more than simply a change of attitude and change of mind and change of values. God's word calls it a rebirth or regeneration. The Greek word is anagenesis. The Bible also calls it becoming a new creature, 
kenictesis, the original Greek word in the te Greek text. When you receive the new birth, kenictesis, you become a new creature. It is like being born all over again. It is a second birth. The Bible also calls it being born of God. Ektheu genimenos, the Greek original. The first time you and I are, we're, we're born of man the first, at the first birth. We're born of man. Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, I'm talking about a spiritual birth. The requirement that man pass through a second birth is a condition that every man must meet in order to be saved. It is stated in clear, unmistakable language that comes directly out of the mouth of our Lord. Unless a man be born from above, and the Greek word is anothen, from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The original Greek text does not say born again unless a man is born again, but it says, unless a man is born from above, anothen. The expression born again is more of a commentary than an exact rendering of the Greek. In other words, to be born from above indicates a second birth. And when you are born for a second time, of course, uh, in essence, then you are born once again. So, to be born again, anagenesis, is really a scriptural expression. It's a biblical teaching. The Apostle Peter, and I turn to his epistle, in his first epistle, uses the clear-cut expression, born again. And he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again, the Greek word anayenesis, into a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Chapter 1, verse 3. And also in chapter 1, verse 23, I read, where Peter also mentions explicitly the word born again. Being born again, the Greek word anayayenimeni, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, who liveth and abideth forever. Make no mistake about it, that the teaching of the rebirth is basic and fundamental. The word anothen, that Greek word that translates into from above, indicates that the new birth is not of man's doing. It does not come as a result of man's effort or of his good works. It is a result of the Holy Spirit's work on man's life, upon his heart, and upon his total personality. We read in John chapter 1, verse 13, that those who are born again are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Ektheu, that's the Greek rendering, Greek text, 
Aleichtheu. The Greek word anothen further shows the origin of rebirth. It signifies that the believer is not conveyed up into a higher sphere in order to be regenerated. The Greek term anothen denotes the source of the second birth. The believer remains on earth, but a heavenly divine life invades his earthly existence and does a work of recreation in him. Rebirth is the result of God's direct action upon the life of the believer. Hear me out on this, my beloved, because I'm talking to you about the very condition the Lord set down for seeing the kingdom of heaven. And unless you meet that vital condition, eternity will not look very pretty to you. If you are not going to see the kingdom of heaven, then that means you're going to see something else. And you know what that is? The kingdom of darkness. You will be cast out, as Jesus says, into outer darkness. That's what he calls it. And that's what Jesus calls hell, outer darkness. So I'm asking you today, are you taking this matter of being born again seriously? Let me explain further. Jesus amplifies this condition for salvation. He sets down for salvation when he says, another, he sets this down and he amplifies it by, by saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, unless a, more, a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now here the Lord reveals both the baptism of water and the baptism of the Holy Spirit as means of releasing the regenerative power of God. Water baptism is a necessary part of the mystery of regeneration. The water, of course, does not have inherent powers of regeneration. It is the Holy Spirit that regenerates the believer and channels redeeming power through the waters of baptism. In water baptism, the Holy Spirit is the agent that purifies the believer from guilt and condemnation and incorporates him into the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul says, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. On the other hand, in the case of the Holy Spirit baptism, Jesus is the baptizer. He baptizes the believer into the Holy Spirit and fills him with the Holy Spirit, which remains as a permanent dweller in his soul and in his body. At the River Jordan, John the Baptist acclaimed Jesus as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit when he said prophetically, I baptize you in water, but he that cometh after me shall baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. Now in the Orthodox Church, as also in the Catholic and some of the Protestant churches, the sacrament of holy baptism and the sacrament of confirmation or chrismation serve to meet this twofold condition set down by the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. I would like to talk more about this at a later stage and also about infant baptism. But right now, I would like to speak further on the nature of the new birth. A lot of professing Christians in the church today don't really have the assurance that they have received a new birth. As a matter of fact, too many people in the church know very little, if anything, about what being born again is all about. Not enough of our priests 
priests and pastors preach on how crucial it is for salvation. In other words, it makes all the difference whether a person is going to spend all of eternity in hell or in heaven. When Jesus says, unless a man is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. The inference logically in this is that he will see hell if he is not born again. There is no neutral or third state in eternity. I'm telling it like it is, my friend. When you remain under the curse of Adam, you remain under condemnation and eternal separation from God. The Orthodox Church and some other churches teaches that rebirth or regeneration is given to you when you are baptized. As a result, when an Orthodox or a Catholic are asked by a fundamentalist Protestant, have you been born again? They usually answer, why, of course, because I've been baptized. I agree that baptism is part of man's spiritual regeneration, but the question that must be squarely faced is, why don't people in the church who are baptized have a personal experience of the new birth? The answer is simple. It is because more people in our church are baptized in infancy, most of them. And obviously, we cannot expect to observe any outward signs or expression of its rebirth. The baby, well, we're talking about baptism of babies. The baby lacks the physical and mental equipment necessary for spiritual awareness and articulation. I'm not disputing the traditional practice of infant baptism, but I do want to point out that infant baptism has become the rule today in adult conversions and adult baptisms, the exception. And that's not very encouraging. The result is not encouraging. The church today is filled with people who have never had any spiritual change, least of all, any experience of being born again. Recently, I read an article written by a Catholic priest who stated that the church today is full of what he calls baptized pagans. And I think that could very well apply to the Orthodox Church as well. Most of our people in church are Christians by accident of birth, not by choice. They are cradle members of the church. Their Christianity becomes just part of their cultural baggage. Their claim to being a member of the church rests primarily on their baptismal certificate and not on any conscious or formal decision for Christ made at any one time in their life. Now the question naturally arises, is infant baptism then a source of evil in the church? Definitely not. It doesn't have to be. But what I do want to emphasize is the fact that infant baptism was the exception in the early church, with small children possibly included in the baptism of entire households which converted to Christ. They were incidental to adult conversions and adult baptisms, which were the general rule because of the evangelical and missionary thrust of the church in an unbelieving world. Now, when adult conversions become rare, as they are in many of the churches today, the church begins to lose its spiritual vitality. Converts to the Lord Jesus Christ help to keep the church vibrant and alive in the Holy Spirit. The transforming power of Jesus Christ 
becomes an experience and an actual reality. It is not merely a doctrine of faith, just something theoretical. We lose so much in the church today by not having personal testimonies of a born-again experience. Let me repeat what I said just a while ago. The very idea of being born again, least of all hearing about it, is unfamiliar to most people in the church. When we happen to hear about it, it usually comes from fundamentalist Protestants. And it has become a state of mind with us that it is a purely Protestant notion. But I'll tell you something, friend, that's a device of Satan. The apologetic which we have built up in our defense is the idea that in the church, rebirth is regarded as a process of spiritual growth and not a single instantaneous event. This explanation satisfied me for many years before and after my ordination to the priesthood. But since the day I came into the Holy Spirit baptism in 1972, the Lord began to show me that it is growth which is a process. Growth, not birth. Rebirth, like birth, happens in one moment, and then growth follows and continues throughout the duration of one's lifetime. Spiritual growth begins at birth and terminates at death. The second birth, like the first birth, is a threshold experience, a simple but necessary occurrence. And without it, there is no growth, neither in the natural realm nor in the supernatural. And it stands to reason that you cannot grow before you're born. And unfortunately, many of us pastors try to cultivate people and to train them to grow when they're not even born, and nothing could be more frustrating than to catechize and to instruct people that are not even born in the Holy Spirit. So rebirth does not come with growth and spiritual perfection. It is not a reward for personal holiness. It is rather the presupposition of holiness and the presupposition of progress in the Holy Spirit. It has to be an experience if it is to be a real beginning. It has to be tangible and perceptible. In the first birth, the natural birth, you and I had no say in the matter, of course. No one consulted us if we wanted to be born. But in the second birth, the exercise of our free will is a must. It is the result of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are born again, not of the will of flesh, of the, of the flesh or of the will of man, as Jesus says. The first time, you and I are the offspring of our father and mother, offspring of their flesh. But in the second birth, it is the combination of our desire to be born again and of God's grace and God's calling. Because rebirth is a gift that we receive from God. Not because we deserve it or because we can earn it and merit it. It is a gift given to you and me simply by the grace 
and by the good pleasure of our Heavenly Father. Rebirth, to be born again, comes from above, not from below from the flesh. It doesn't come as a result of exertion. Now, I don't expect to exhaust this subject of spiritual rebirth in the limited time I have today. But I will continue discussing this subject next time. So join me next week again and let your friends and relatives know about it so they can watch the program and gain a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear me as I tell you, friend, as important as baptism is for salvation, let me warn you not to rely on your baptismal certificate. That piece of paper, though valuable, will not save you from the unquenchable fire of eternal hell. You will never make it into heaven unless you have an actual experience of rebirth. If scriptural proof isn't enough for you, I'll quote to you from one of the most authoritative fathers of the church. His name is St. Simeon, the new theologian of the 11th century. Now listen to what he says. Listen to his warning. He that lacks awareness of his baptism, he who is baptized in infancy, accepting it only on faith and having effaced it by sins, but refuses the second baptism, I mean the baptism of the Holy Spirit, given by God in his love to those who seek it in repentance, how can he ever be saved? Not in the least. Did you hear that? Not in the least. The Greek word is udamos. Udamos. Definitely not. He will not be saved. Now there's added confirmation over and above, uh, over in addition to the scriptural evidence. Think about it, my beloved. Your eternity is at stake. You can have a life-changing, face-to-face meeting with Jesus this very moment. Do you know that? That's why I want to pray for you. Open up your heart in humbleness and repentance. If you can, kneel down in front of the TV set. Feel that you have a right to this blessing because your Father promised it to you and wants to give it to you. Not because you are worthy of it, but because He loves you. We're not worthy of anything. Friend, everything we have is a gift from God. We've received it only because by His good pleasure, He wanted to give it to you and to me. It's not because we merit it. We really don't merit anything. But God wants us to receive everything that He offers us. This is why open your heart to Jesus and tell him that you want to receive everything that he has, that you want to receive an experience of the new birth, that you want to make sure that you are a born-again child of God. Father, there is that man, that woman, boy and girl out there who are professing members of the church, but they have never experienced the rivers of living water 
springing up from within the depths of their being. Honor their hunger and their thirst, Lord. Release the Holy Spirit within them this very moment and let the words of praise and glory pour out of their lips. For we ask this in Jesus' precious and most wonderful name. Amen. Amen. There it is. Just keep praising the Lord. Let words of exaltation just come out of your lips and thank Him. Let words of thanks ascend to heaven and God will visit you right now. His Spirit is coming right into you right now. You can experience that. Please write me this week and share with me the blessings that you've received. God's richest blessing be with you. We thank you for having joined Father Stefanu in this new broadcast of Inspiration and Faith. We hope you will tune in again next week for another half hour of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This program is made possible by the free will offerings of the viewers. Your prayerful and financial support is vital to the continuance of this telecast.